0: Welcome to Church for the City's podcast in Yuma, Arizona with lead pastor Tyrone P. Jones. Our mission is for people to encounter the reality and presence of God. For sermon videos and next steps, visit us at ctcfamily.com. Now join us for the message. Hallelujah. Wow. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely great to be in the house of the Lord. How many just feel the presence of the almighty God? We are so excited to be in the house. We're so grateful for those of you. Uh, that are still home or wherever you might be streaming in with us. We thank you for joining us. Thank you for doing so over the period of these uh, numerous weeks. Thank you for your kindness and just staying tuned, listening to the Word of God, connecting with us with worship. But I got to tell you, it's exciting, it's exciting, it's exciting to be in God's house. Now, we're going to do something here. We're going to get ready to take communion, and I want to do it in a manner that we don't normally do. Uh, and that's because I just want to, we all know what's been happening in our in our nation, things that's been been taking place. Uh, we've either experienced it or uh, been part of some things in which we've had to have discussions about it. I know for uh, Tyrone and I, we've been on Zoom calls with different churches and different states and different parts of the world, walking through certain things and, and uh, just helping people understand some of the pain, walking through some of the injustices that we may see uh, on both sides, some of the injustice that's occurred and some of the uh, oppression and some of the things that's been done by the perpetrators thereafter. And uh, at the same time trying to just speak into it in a manner that we know is good for us as a people, uh, what's right for us as a, as, as a church and as, as the body of, body of Christ, uh, knowing that all of us have a, a real sense of some righteous anger and uh, how we carry that out has is, is probably been the most Critical thing, and I'm thankful for so many great dialogues that's been happening around uh, the country. You know, every year uh, January, there's a couple of things that we try to highlight. Uh, One is the Sanctity of Life Sunday, uh, because we do believe that uh, you matter. When I say you matter, I'm talking about from that what's in that child that's in the womb to the person that I'm looking at right now. You matter. And so it's important for us to reflect on sanctity of life um, from the time that child was conceived to the time that beautiful child comes forth that God has created. We also reflect on MLK Day uh, because, again, we know that we've had histories of, of racism. And racism, as, as, as I've shared, it's, it's, it's not going to end on this side of earth in the sense of the whole uh, concept of racism. There's some systemic stuff that I think can be uh, change and address through different policies. But here's what's the most important thing, church. The most important thing is for us. What do we as a people do? How do we love, honor, respect others, show value uh, to everyone, be a people that connect with others no matter what shade of skin that they may have, and show the love of Jesus Christ? The gospel is the answer to this. Ephesians chapter 2 tells us that Christ has made us one he's made us one reconciliation is a truth in the body of Christ CTC is a great witness of that when we see people of all different shades here together standing together worshiping together in just a moment we're going to go on our knees together because we want to let people know we feel the pain we see what's going on we understand it there's a whole I don't know if any of us get it all because we we don't know everybody's story. None of us get it, get it all. But what we do know, what, what we need to do toward those who still have racism is expressing racism. Some graceism. Let them see the grace of God from every one of us. That's what we need to see. Now I'm gonna. There was a wonderful prayer that was posted by uh, a, a dear couple here in our in our church, and I want to pray that together for us. But I'm gonna ask you to do this. We're gonna we're gonna partake in communion. I want us to get on our knees. I want us to take communion together on our knees. And many of you know I know the scripture gives us the the uh, encouragement to bow down before the Lord. And, and many of us know, those of you that can, I understand if you, uh, if you can't. And I'm telling you, I'm getting real close to it. But, uh, but, uh, but this is what we know. When we go before God in this posture, it shows a humility. It shows that our heart is given over to him. We're not standing up and making any kind of statement other than I bow down with a broken heart toward the almighty God. Don't have all the answers. I don't know everything to do in this situation. I don't know everything to say, but I know a God who does. And that's the posture that I want us to take communion in today. I'm going to say a a prayer again. I love this post. I thank the Nelsons for posting it. But I want to pray this together. Will you bow with me? Dear Lord, hear my prayer. I pray for the black community. They are in pain. I pray for police officers trying to keep the peace. I pray for the family of George Floyd. Please bring them comfort. I pray for business owners who experience damage and theft. I pray for the peaceful protesters. I pray for racists who have hate in their hearts. God, please show them hate isn't the way. Change their hearts. I pray for those in a position of power. Help them use their platform to unite instead of dividing. I pray for America. I pray for peace. And Father, as we come before you now in this time of the Lord's Supper, this time of celebration, this time of thanksgiving, I pray for every one of us. We know, Lord, according to the word of the Lord, that we're united in spirit together by the Holy Spirit, that we've been made one family, we've been brought together. And Lord, in this room and places that are watching us all over the world, we know that we've been brought together by the Spirit of God as one family. I pray, Lord God, in our hearts, in everything that we do, in everything that we say, in every act that we have, that we focus in on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we express ourselves as a people who honor and values one another, no matter what the shade of our skin color is, that each of us will honor people in the manner in which you have given honor to us and created us, and Lord, have designed for us to be one people in Christ Jesus. We stand, Lord God, with with this bread in our hand that represents the broken body of Jesus, We stand with this cup, Lord God, that represents the blood of Jesus that has made us one people in Christ Jesus. And it's with that, Lord God, we give you thanks. Let's eat together. Let's drink together. And let's give a shout out together. Hallelujah. Let's give God some praise. Hallelujah. Now, wherever you are, um, you can take a moment. If you, some folks are comfortable greeting, hugging, just take a, take a little minute, but uh, you can get situated and we're getting ready to get into the word of the Lord. Amen. again it's 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 great to be in the house of God and we're going to uh, jump right on in with a few things and then we'll go into uh, our message you know as while all this has been going on the church we have very much still been the church and uh, we're still been um, going around doing things that, that we do still meeting still planning still prepping things uh, as you can see, I, I, uh, as you can see, the team has really worked hard. How many like some of the different things that they've done, the sound that they've done? They have been working uh, tremendously hard to get things in uh, in place. We're, we still uh, have been gathering together in our in our uh, Zoom meetings, and some of the, some of the life groups are actually starting to meet live, and that's been great. Most of all of them have uh, grown in one aspect or another. Uh, we're grateful to see baptisms. We've been, we've been doing even communion, we've done uh, online and worshiping in the word, but we've also been still following through with generosity. One of our, one of our values is hashtag generosity because we believe in some irrational giving. And I, I wanna just uh, say this, there's a couple pictures you're gonna see. Uh, this was, we decided to do $5,000 worth of gifts to the YRMC COVID staff. Um, you know, they're on the front lines. They have been working tirelessly. Their families have had to make sacrifices. So this week, the We Love Our City crew uh, went and gathered about $5,000 worth of stuff and went and blessed them. And man, it just, as you can see, they were so excited. And thank you. That's because of your absolute uh, generosity and just being a good church. Every time you come in a building, you can continue to give. Many of you have been uh, giving online. And I and I just do want to tell you and thank you that our giving has stayed strong. I think there might have been one week that we were lower than we were the year before, but every other week has just been very good. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for, for loving God. I really, it does talk a lot about the health uh, of the church. So you can give in the offering boxes. You can give online. You can give through the app. You can text to give so many different, different ways, and we thank you for doing that. We're going to pray uh, now for our locations and uh, a local church and then we're going to go right on into uh, the word of the Lord. Father, I do want to pray for uh, Pastor Rabonda, Pastor Norman, Pastor David there in their locations. Uh, Pastor Rabonda has some limited gathering. I pray that you continue to provide for him and his team and uh, for Pastor Norman, which are they're struggling through more than even what we're dealing with here in the U.S. and same with pastor david there in mexico lord be be with them be with their families keep them all healthy and keep them safe may their churches continue to prosper even in times such as this we pray for the san luis campus we're we thankful for the momentum that's even being gained even through this season we're looking forward to finding that place of gathering and and just allowing you lord god to bring your presence in that city and uh, among the people there who have such a hunger and a heart for you and, and also, we pray for the local churches. Many of our churches in our city are, are gathering this week. And a lot of my friends, Lord God, who we've stayed in touch with, one particular pastor, Tom Burks in Stone Ridge, I pray that you be with them today. May their services over the weekend be wonderful. And uh, they can rejoice and celebrate the goodness of you. I thank you for everybody here in this house. And Lord God, I ask you to be with us as the word of the Lord comes forth. In Jesus' name, can you say amen. Now, I'm gonna start a, a, a new series. Um, it's titled Counterfeit Gods, and it's not, it's not a title that's uh, uh, new to me. Uh, there was a book written by a gentleman by the name of Tim Keller, who I think is one of the finest ministers uh, there he is. He's done some wonderful stuff. Uh, he published his book in 2009 called Counterfeit Gods, and I think the subtitle was All That Really Matters. My subtitle, because of the direction I'm going, is the battle uh for the throne of your heart uh but the but the idea of this is for me to walk through the things that can really affect our relationship with the lord and for some people might be the barrier that keeps them from coming uh to christ and um you know whenever you say the word idol uh, probably the younger generation when you say the word idol the first thing they may think of is american idol because it's so so popular uh, and so well known. Those of you that are older than me, you will probably think of Billy Idol, right, and uh, Rebel Yale, and White Wedding. Uh, but for many people, contemporaries, we 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 kind of think of man-made statues. We think of figurines. We think of objects that people bow down to, and that certainly still happens, and and certainly a real uh, a real issue. And and I'll talk about that some doing this series, but it won't be my total uh, intent, although I can't get get around it. What I really want to talk about is, is good things in our life that become God things. Good things that become God things. This is what I know is true of every one of us. Everybody born on the planet was made to worship God. Everybody born on the planet was made to worship God. Here's what Isaiah 43, 21 says, the people I formed for myself will declare my praise. The people I formed for myself will declare my praise. In other words, what the Lord is saying, because I made you and created you, there's something that comes out of that, that's innate in all of us. It's actually part of our image Do you know that a drunk man can praise the Lord? The scripture says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's part of our innate image because of God. We're made, we're formed to give him praise. But here's the problem. The human heart is a temple looking for something to put on the throne. We're designed to have something on our heart, something on our heart that is the object of our worship. Now, the Bible is clear for us that the one who should be on the throne at all times without reservation is the Lord God himself. Here again, we see Psalm 95, 6. It says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. That's the appeal. That's the call. That's the call from God to us. This word worship, it just really implies special honor, significance value uh, that word worship means to place a worth on someone or something matter of fact we break that down worship if we were to put it in an old english term it means worth i'm giving honor to someone that i consider of the greatest value of the greatest honor worth so the word worship now for us we're created by him for him to be the center of our life. We're created by God for him to be the center of our life. Psalm 96, 8 and 9, it says, give to the Lord what he deserves. Worship the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. Can you say amen? That's the call. We're created by God. We're created for him and to make him the center of our life. So he says, let all the earth tremble before him. Worship the Lord in all of his holy splendor. But here's the truth. Our heart is actually an idol factory. It's an idol factory. No one else or nothing else should be there. No one else or nothing else should be in the place of worship. No one else or nothing else should have the same value, should get the attention of the Lord. But our hearts are idol factories. And and I'll talk about this further. And we're going to put something there we're going to put someone there. We're, we're always going to have something on our heart that our whole life is shaped after, or we're pursuing after, or we're going after, or, 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 or if we have that, or if this happens, or if this can be accomplished, or if I achieve that, that thing or if I could have this person, or I could have this marriage, or my family could be like this. If I could have this church, or this team, or this. Something's going to be there that's going to guide our life. And we, we have a tendency to make that thing so subtly, but so real and idle in our life. Because if it's gone, if it's no longer there, let me just tell you something. I always cringe, and I hope I'm not messing with anybody here. But I've been waiting to get back to mess with somebody. So, so, so I, I hope not. But I always cringe when I hear somebody says, if that person wasn't in my life, I, I couldn't make it. That's an idol. That's a problem. That's a concern. No one, no person, no thing should have that place in your life. Because that will guide your emotions, your thoughts, your actions, your beliefs your behaviors. It will drive the thing that you consider to be significant. It will push you to what you think is the place of acceptance. Am I talking to the right church? And so let's look at what the Lord said in Exodus 21 through 4. Most of you are familiar with this time. This is when when the children of Israel was given what was called the Ten Commandments. They were given a lot more laws than those ten. I think it's 613 to be exact. But But these 10 are the ones that we know, the moral code, the decalogue. And so that's what's happening here. And listen uh, in Exodus 20, verses 1 through 4. It says, Then God spoke all these words I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. Do not make an idol for yourself, whether in the shape of anything in the heavens above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth listen to what the lord is saying don't make an idol out of anyone or anything whether it be in heaven whether it be on earth whether it be under the earth whether it be in the seas he covered all the ground from from the heavens above to to the base of the sea don't make an idol out of anything or anyone here on earth now I want to take you on a little journey in Exodus without going through the whole book, of course. But, but chapter 20, again, is when the Lord was giving the children of Israel what he called the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, the law. They had been hearing from God up until this time. Chapter 19 is when they said to Moses, because the closer they got to the mountain, the louder God's voice got. And the more they heard the thunder and the lightnings and they got terrified. And they said, Moses... You, you go and you hear God and you tell us what God is saying. And anything that God says, we will do. Don't we, don't, we, don't we just do that? I can think of moments before Christ, those moments when I was not able to get behind the wheel of my car. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And I said, Lord, if you get me out of this, anything you want me to do. Don't y'all lie. Y'all, I ain't the only ones. And so, so, but at that moment, because of the overwhelming presence of God, Lord, whatever you say, whatever you say, that will do. So the Lord starts speaking these words. And for four more chapters, from chapter 20 down to the end of chapter 24, then the Lord tells Moses, you come up to me. So God speaks these things. Moses hears them. The people got some sense of something going on. But then the Lord wanted him to get what he was declaring to take down to the people. Chapter 24, verse number 18, he says to Moses, You come up to me. Moses goes up, he's up there 40 days and 40 nights. And while he's up there, God is speaking so many things. He's telling them about the tabernacle. He's telling them about the priest. He's telling them about worship. He's telling them how life is to be lived as a community. He's directing them, this is how I want you to move. This is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to reflect me. This is how I want you to worship me. This is how I want you to live in a community. 40 days and 40 nights, Moses is up there hearing from God. And then verse number 18 of chapter 31, the Lord gives Moses the tablets. And he says, I want you to take the tablets down to the people. I want you to turn, if you would, to chapter 32, because right before Moses comes down, something is happening. In Exodus 32, and I want to read verses 1 through 8, 32, 1 through 8, it says, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves to Aaron, sorry, Aaron is Moses' brother, and he's kind of like Moses' right-hand man. And he left him in charge while he was up going up on the mountain. So he, Aaron was supposed to, to be in charge there. Thank you. And he says, so when the people saw Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, listen, up, make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt... We do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, now mind you, he's only been gone 40 days. Only 40 days. So Aaron said to them, take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it golden calf. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought the peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up and play. Now, I want you to watch this. It was only a little over 40 days that they heard the cry cry from the Lord, the the, the command from the Lord, that they're not to have any other gods besides them. Forty days away, and Moses Moses is gone, and all of a sudden the people fall into this place where they need something else. Now, I, I want you to understand why their hearts got restless. Because during those 40 days, they didn't hear from God, and they didn't see Moses. And so you know what happened? They lacked assurance. 40 days of not seeing Moses and not hearing from God, they lack security. 40 days of not seeing Moses and not hearing from God, and they needed something to latch on to for hope. Are you following me on this? See, it's very subtly when our hearts get restless, when I'm not hearing from God, when God's not answering my prayer, when he's not doing what he promised, it's not going the way I thought. This thing is not happening and giving me that fulfillment that I thought it would. It doesn't take long for us all of a sudden to need something else. put on that heart don't hear God don't see God I'm not comfortable with this I'm not sure about this I'm unstable with this I don't know where's happening to my hopes what's happening to my desires what's happening to my dreams and by the way where is God and by the way where is our leader I gotta I gotta put something else on this heart I gotta put something else on this throne and that's what we do. I don't want to take too much time to go into the Greek, uh, Hebrew, but I, I want to point out two things. Verse number one and verse number four, they use the word gods. They say, let's make us gods. That word is Elohim. It's the same word we use when we talk about God and his pluralness and all that he is to us. And verse number five, interested enough, Aaron actually used the word in your translation, if it's a good translation, it should have capital L-O-R-D, which is the same word we use for Yahweh or Jehovah God, Jehovah covenant. Why am I telling you this? Because you see, they weren't trying to replace the God that they knew. They just wanted to get another God to come alongside. You see, None of us would ever deny or denounce the God that we know. As a matter of fact, that's why idolatry is so subtle, because we'll always say, I do worship God. But what have you brought alongside the God that you know and placed on your heart? Now, I've been waiting 12 weeks to say this, but am I talking to the right church? You see, that's what we do. We bring something alongside. We'll never denounce the one we know, never deny him, never turn from him. But right now, he's just not giving me enough assurance. Right now, he's not providing enough. Right, I've been waiting and waiting for a spouse. I need to make this thing happen. I need this job. I want this job. Whatever the case may be, you, you take some other step to bring something alongside that you make a God for that Situation. And we all got our shrines. We all got our tabernacles. For some folks, it's it's that office tower when they're riding up that elevator and they get to the very top and they open that door that has their name on it and says CEO, and they get that godlike significance. For some folks, it's just lofty titles where they feel like they people have to give them a godlike praise for some people it's the spas or the gyms where they have those bodies that get godlike attention for some it's studios it's it's stages where they can produce the sound that gives them those godlike voices for many of us For me, even as a pastor, it can be the pulpit or it can be the sermon or it can be the role that I play where you get that God-like authority. For some people, it's stadiums, that place where people stand and cheer and applaud them as if indeed they're the almighty God that's going to take them to the promised land. we all can fall into our own shrines and we all can fall into our own cathedrals. All of that stuff, all of those good things, can become counterfeit gods, counterfeit gods, things that make us feel like we got value and that we got significance. And if we ever lose it, and I'll deal more with this in the coming weeks, if we ever lose it, because I'm going to ask you a question, the thing that gives you the nightmares, the things that causes you to have the biggest emotional breakdowns, whether you know it or not, those are the idols that you've placed in your life. Those are the idols. I, I love the movie uh, Friday, Night, Friday Night Lights. And I, and I love my boy uh, Booby. I love Booby. Love Booby's role. But but one of the most heartbreaking things when Booby could no longer play football, the emotional breakdown that he had because all of his life was resting on that god of success in football, and when it was taken away, he couldn't recover. And we all do that. We all can do that. It's good things that are placed in the wrong given the wrong place now I, I titled this message message the real game of thrones and my team told me i need to tell you i've never watched the game of thrones i've never watched it and i understand that i probably don't want to watch it but i love the title so that's why i picked it i want to read something from keller's book and if you just will indulge me for just two paragraphs Because I think he really breaks down this whole concept of idolatry better than what I can put it in words. And here is what he says. The biblical concept of idolatry is an extremely sophisticated idea. Integrating intellectual, psychological, social, cultural, and spiritual categories. There are personal idols such as romantic love and family. Or money, power, and achievement or access to particular social circles, or the emotional dependence of others on you, or health, fitness, and physical beauty. Many look to these things for the hope, meaning, and fulfillment that only God can provide. There are cultural idols such as military power, technological progress, and economic prosperity. The idols of traditional societies, including family, hard work, duty, and moral virtue, while those of Western cultures are individual freedom, self-discovery, personal affluence, and fulfillment. Listen to this. All these good things can and do take on disproportionate size and power within a society. They promise us safety, peace, and happiness if only we base our lives on them. It's good stuff. It's good stuff that can be taken and made a god that sits on our hearts. Here's what Ezekiel said in chapter 14, verses 3 through 6. He says, Son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their hearts. They have embraced things that will make them fall into sin. And listen listen to what he says. Why should I listen to their request? Tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. The people of Israel have set up idols in, in their hearts and fallen into sin, and they go to a prophet asking for a message. Sounds like 2020. So I, the Lord, will give them the kind of answer their great idolatry deserves. I will do this to capture the minds and hearts of all my people who have turned from me to worship and their detestable idols. Therefore, tell the people of Israel this is what the sovereign Lord says repent and turn away from your idols. And stop all your detestable sins. I probably need to make a public service announcement. Every sermon before I preach it, guess who it hits first? So I don't want anybody to think I'm preaching down on you. I'm preaching what the Lord has spoken to me that I'm hoping we can all embrace this together. And take that journey to discover what it is that all of us have done that we can do better. Because this is what I know. Counterfeit gods will always disappoint. They will always disappoint. The only way to free ourselves is to turn back to God. The the God who was revealed on Mount Sinai, the God that was revealed on Mount Calvary, the only way that we cannot set ourselves up to be disappointed by people and things in this life is to turn back to God, where we learn, where we don't put all our hopes on this person or this thing or this situation or or what we're believing is going to happen, but all of our hope rests on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord God Almighty that says, I am the great I am, and i am with you i'll never leave you and i'll never forsake you that's where it's got to be anything else is a counterfeit god team you can you can come the throne of our heart has room for only one i want everybody to get that the throne on your heart has room for only one listen to isaiah 45 it says there is no other god but me a righteous god and savior there is no one except me. turn to me and be saved. I love this. All the ends of the earth and it, wherever you 're watching, wherever you listen, I want you to hear this. This is what the scripture is clearly saying. There is no other God, and, and with all of the different things in life that people have experienced and a whole lot of good things and, and we can always give thanks to people who 've helped us through situations and and, and who's brought us through certain things and been a blessing and been a benefit and been in our life. We, we all, if you're in a good marriage, we all give thanks daily for our, for our spouses and, and for our children and, and for me even as a, as a church for a, an amazing team. But here is what I know. None of them are God. None of them are God. There is only one God, a righteous God, a Savior. No one except Him. And it's Him that we have to turn to and be saved. There is no other one, there is no other person, there is no other thing. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, there is no other. There is no other God but him. But here's the problem. The problem is that our heart can deceive us. Our heart can deceive us. Our heart can make us think that we're fine. Our heart can make us think that we... That, that everything is good, what I'm hoping for, wishing for, desiring, everything I'm driving at is good. I, I, I'm always a little cautious when I, when, when I hear somebody say, man, I'm just, I'm just listening to my heart. Mm, okay, depends on who's saying that. If you got a new heart and a new spirit, all right, I can go with it. But if you ain't a born-again believer and you say you're listening to your heart, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, this ain't Tyrone P. Jones. The Bible says your heart is wicked. It's evil. It'll deceive you. And, and it's even, it even gets more funkier. That's one thing about the Bible. He got the funk in it. He says it's incurable. Who can understand it? Many of us try to lean up on our heart, and we don't even understand it because of all the pollution and sin and evil that's coming and messed our heart up. Y'all doing all right? And and, and so here's what the Scripture says, is that we need a new heart. We cannot count on this heart because this heart will always put something on it jacked up. It'll always put a person on it, it'll always put a thing, it'll always put an object on it. So so the Lord says, I need need you to get rid of that heart. You, You need an absolute new one. And here's what he says in Ezekiel 36, and and this is for anyone, anyone who has not yet committed their life to to Jesus Christ, I I want you to know, you're going to keep following into this, falling into this place of stumbling around in the dark because you're not trusting the Lord, and and you're going to keep making bad decisions because you're listening to your heart, and and you're going to keep attaching yourself to the wrong thing. And you're going to end up from relationship to relationship and career and career and mishap after mishap and crisis after crisis. Why? Because you're following a heart that is not any good. You need a new one. You need a new heart. And every one of us who pursue the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, it's so good what God promises us. I'm telling you, this life for us as believers, it gets gooder and gooder. Gooder and gooder. Listen, to Ezekiel 36 25. It says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you will no longer worship idols. Come on, somebody. And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you, and I will take out your stony, stubborn heart, and give you a tender responsive heart. That's what the Lord does. He gives us a new heart. But here it here it is. I want you to catch this. He said, he said, stony, stubborn heart. You know what the problem is? A lot of us don't want to give up the heart we got. For some reason or other, we've been deceived to think, it's fine. I'm a good person. I love people. I'm not racist. I don't have issues. I don't treat people bad. I make good decisions. We think our heart is fine the way it is. I was born a good person. I was raised in the church. I learned my ABCs. i done my, my schooling. Matter of fact, I graduated from Yuma High School. I know I'm smart. I know I'm smart. We, 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 we don't want to give up the heart that we got because we think it's fine. Sure, I may make some bad decisions sometimes and may have some bad days, but it ain't got nothing to do with my heart. It's because people gave me bad information. We want to keep the heart we got. But God said, I want to give you a new one. I need somebody to do something for me. I want somebody to give me a $10 bill, if you would, and I'm not going to give it back. I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to give it back. Thank you, Juan. Stand, stand up here for just a moment. Let, let me tell you, if, 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 if you just allow me for a minute, this, 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 Kenny couldn't get up here fast enough, bless his heart. Uh, Juan, hang here for a minute. This, this, if, if, if this $10 bill represented your heart. Now, some of you, I know most of y'all got a $10 bill. Don't be lying to me. But you thought, as soon as I said, I'm not giving it back, it was like, hmm. And see, that's what that's what a lot of us do. We want to keep this because for some reason or another, this ten, this $10 bill, or if you say, this heart's got some value. And you asking me to give it up, no, I want to keep it. I want to keep my heart. Whatever value it's got, I want to keep my heart. And that's what many of us do. I want to keep my dreams. I want to keep my hopes. I want to keep my desires. I want to keep my inspirations. They're mine. And God is asking me to give it up. And no, no, I want my heart. I want to keep it. And a lot of us stay in the same condition that we're in because God is saying, give me your heart, and you're saying, no, 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 there's nothing wrong with my heart. But here is what God does. Whenever you give up this little bitty value that you got, here's a $50 bill, that's yours to keep. God will always give you more. He'll always give you more. If we can just come to the place to say, okay, I like this, it has value, it could probably buy me Shoot! What can ten dollars buy now? Um, uh, Chick Fil A? Yes, it can buy me Chick Fil A, but, but and I and I want to keep. I want to keep this. But God said, if you give it to me, I'm going to give you so much more—a brand new heart with unlimitedness. It's a new spirit. God said, I'll give you more if you can just give up what you think is more valuable. You can stay standing. I'm going to close out with this verse, and we're going to go into a song of worship. This is what I need us to do. Believers and unbelievers alike. If you're an unbeliever, hear me on this. Hear me. If you haven't given your life to Christ, don't don't just keep holding on to the $10. He's got so much more he wants to give you. He's got so much more. Don't just, this ain't the most valuable thing you got. This heart is not the most valuable thing you got. This is what I want you to do. You ask God, Lord, create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's what you need to do that's what you want to do I'm telling you to be so much more for those of us that already know Christ as Lord and Savior just keep rehearsing Ezekiel 36 and say Lord thank you for washing me thank you for removing those idols of worship from my heart thank you for giving me a new spirit and start living from the newness of the heart that God has given you am I talking to the right church he wants us to live out a new heart. Now, I wasn't going to go here, but I'm telling you, the stuff will be, we've been watching on TV, we wouldn't have that problem if we all learned to give up this heart and get a new heart. If we learned to give up this one and take on a new one. Because it's in that new heart that we know how to live with one another in Christ Jesus. If you'll pray with me. Father, I want to thank you so much for this opportunity to be with the people of God where wherever they may be gathered in their watch parties and their in their homes Lord on their jobs here in the house of God we're so thankful and Lord God I pray that each one of us would consistently pursue you to live according to the new heart that you've given us and the new spirit indeed Father I thank you for the washing I thank you for the cleansing and Father for for my for my dear friends that are watching and hearing that that may be all over the the world that have not yet made that commitment just want to take a moment everybody just keep your heads bowed if if you're listening to me if you're watching if you're in this house I want you to know something the scripture says if you believe in your heart if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ rose from the dead today you can be saved you can become born again you can become a new believer you can experience this life don't let this moment go by listen I'm telling you young man young lady wherever you are I'm telling you right now, what you're hearing is the Spirit of God. It ain't nothing to do with what you ate. It had nothing to do with you not resting over the night. What's tugging at you right now is the Spirit of the Most High God. I just want you to cry out for the name of Jesus. Just say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, make me new. Jesus, I'm giving you this old heart. I want a new heart. Just call on Jesus. I'm telling you right now, He'll save you. Father, I pray for people all over, Lord God, that are seeking you, that today is the day that they make you the center of their life. I pray that for those, Lord, who are making that commitment today, and I pray that for every one of us here, that we make you the center of our life. It's in Christ's name we pray. May the people of God say amen. Let's give God a hand praise as we go into worship. We'll come back with some closing announcements.